Welcome back, everyone. This is Sam. And this is Kareen, and we are two OncDocs. In this week's episode, we are giving 2023 updates on treatment options for localized breast cancer and go over important details on radiation as well as therapies based on receptor status. And it's important to know that the most prevalent breast cancer are ERPR positive breast cancers, which represent 70 to 80%, and then 15 to 20% are HER2 positive, and then another 15 to 20% are triple negative. And the landscape of breast cancer treatment is constantly changing. So please make sure you stay up to date when treating a patient with breast cancer. Absolutely. I think this is definitely one of those topics we're going to have to keep doing every single year. And we'll probably keep doing that in October, which is really good for everyone taking the boards in November. So you guys hopefully will be walking in with all the high yield facts. So last week, you mentioned the mainstay treatment options for invasive localized breast cancer is either mastectomy or lumpectomy with radiation. However, are there cases where someone does not need radiation after the lumpectomy? Yes. In some patients who are over the age of 70 with tumors under two centimeters that are clinically node negative and also ER positive, these patients can just have adjuvant endocrine therapy. This is important to realize because the boards likes to test you on the exceptions when you can leave out a potentially toxic treatment, i.e. radiation. So know when you can leave off things. And so this is one of those cases. And are there ever cases where women who undergo mastectomy also need adjuvant radiation. Yes, some women may benefit from the addition of radiation to the chest wall if the tumor is over five centimeters. If the tumor is under five centimeters with close margins, meaning they're under one millimeter, those with positive lymph nodes or positive margins. And remember that when radiation is given adjuvantly, it's generally given before systemic therapy, but this varies by institution. And the reason that systemic therapy is given first is to to decrease the risk of radiation recall. Definitely. And so this brings us to systemic treatment options. And so what is the main chemotherapy regimens given in localized breast cancer? There are neoadjuvant or adjuvant options. In general, neoadjuvant is considered for larger tumors or if women desire lumpectomy or if there is inflammatory breast cancer, if they are triple negative. And then also if they are HER2 and not T1N0. And the general chemotherapy regimens are known as AC plus T, which is doxorubicin cyclophosphamide with the T being paclitaxel. There is a dose-dense option, which was developed where you give this regimen every two weeks for the AC instead of every three weeks with the addition of GCSF. And then for the T, the paclitaxel, This can be given at 80 milligrams per meter squared weekly for 12 weeks, or it can be given every two to three weeks at 175 milligram per meter squared. And then another option is CMF, and that is cyclophosphamide methotrexate and 5-FU, but do not consider CMF if you have more than four lymph nodes that are positive. Great. I think it's very important to realize the ACT plus or AC plus T and CMF regimens when you guys go into boards. They will be very um, commonly testable. So who needs chemotherapy? So we break it down by receptor status. So we'll start first with triple negative to go over who and who does not need chemotherapy. Ideally, adjuvant treatment will be given within 30 days of surgery. And if you have delays more than 12 weeks, this is considered to be detrimental. And if you're triple negative, consider chemotherapy for any tumors more than 0.5 centimeters or with positive lymph nodes. And for most, neoadjuvant is done because this allows for surgical minimization and there's a strong relationship between pathologic CR 
and relapse or survival. And the regimen is AC plus T, and you can consider adding carboplatin in higher risk patients or consider adder, or consider adding both pembrolizumab and carboplatin to the regimen followed by adjuvant pembrolizumab. And there was data presented at San Antonio Breast last year that showed that the benefit of neoadjuvant carboplatin is limited to premenopausal women. And then if there's residual disease at the time of surgery, you add capecitabine. If they're BRCA1 or 2 germline positive, you can add olaparib. And for smaller triple negative breast cancers, you can do TC alone and spare that anthracycline. And important to know that TC stands for paclitaxel and cyclophosphamide. And in breast cancer, TC can stand for either paclitaxel cyclophosphamide or paclitaxel carboplatin. And the reason to omit anthracycline is to spare that cardiac risk and lower the risk of future leukemia. And if the tumor is node positive or more than five centimeters, you cannot omit the anthracycline. But in the adjuvant setting for women without those features, it may be preferable to avoid the anthracycline. Definitely. So I think it's really important to understand triple negative breast cancer and when we consider that chemotherapy and when we can, we give more chemotherapy along with immunotherapy and also when we have the targeted options. Um, so if they're BRCA1 or 2 positive, you have that use of a PARP inhibitor like olaparib. And so what about those who are hormone receptor positive? So this is estrogen receptor, so ER or progesterone receptor, PR positive, HER2 negative breast cancers. So for those, you go based on the genomic risk. So there's a simplified approach that I'm going to list, which is that all patients need endocrine therapy, but there are guidelines on who needs chemotherapy. And so for endocrine therapy, the minimum is five years and for higher risk, consider up to 10 years of therapy. In higher risk, premenopausal women consider ovarian suppression based on the soft and text trials with either aromatase inhibitors or tamoxifen. And so for tumors under 5.5 centimeters, just endocrine therapy is alone just endocrine therapy alone is okay for five years. And for premenopausal, those options are tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitors with ovarian suppression. And for postmenopausal, aromatase inhibitors are preferred or tamoxifen if you have side effects. And then for men, you do tamoxifen, or if you do an aromatase inhibitor, you also need a GnRH analog. And then for tumors more than 0.5 centimeters or one to three positive lymph nodes, Assess the genomic status, and you can omit chemotherapy for women over 50 who are postmenopausal with a genomic score under 26, or women under 50 who are premenopausal with a genomic score under 16 for node negative. And for premenopausal women with node positive breast cancer, give chemo regardless of the oncotype score. And tumors with more than four positive lymph nodes definitely need chemotherapy. And that chemo will be that AC plus T regimen most commonly um, given in a don't sense fashion with GCSF and then followed by the t paclitaxel. Great. So when you talk about that genomic status, I feel like that was coming out and coming into play when we were in training. It is very testable. I know we had these test questions on our ITEs as well as our boards on board day. So remember those cutoffs of greater than 50 years old, postmenopausal, the genomic score less than 26, you can emote omit chemo, or if they're less than 50 premenopausal with a genomic score less than 16 if they're node negative or less than 26 if they're node positive, commit those to memory. You will be tested on them. So can you remind us of the side effects of AI and tamoxifen again? I know we talked about it on last week's episode. Yes. AIs or aromatase inhibitors also cause skeletal symptoms. Uh, for this, you can recommend exercise, acupuncture, duloxetine. There can also be vaginal dryness. And for this, moisturizers, lubricants, 
um, are recommended. And then I know I mentioned osteoporosis previously. And don't forget that tamoxifen is contraindicated with certain SSRIs such as fluoxetine or paroxetine. And now backtracking again, we talked about the genomic risk cutoffs, but can you tell us how we actually assess those genomic risks before we move on? Yes. So for some ER positive HER2 negative tumors that are either node negative or have a low number of lymph nodes, so one to three positive lymph nodes that may be high risk clinically, but lower genomic risk, they may not necessarily need chemotherapy and endocrine therapy is adequate. So the genomic risk tools that are most commonly used are Oncotype from the Taylor X trial and Mammaprint from the MindAct trial. Great. Thank you. And so can you explain ovarian suppression? Yes. For younger women who desire fertility um, after treatment, GnRH analogs like triptorelin and gosorelin can be used to decrease the risk of infertility. And we use that even in patients who are getting chemotherapy for other reasons, not just breast cancer. Um, so commit that to memory. So what about tumors that are HER2 positive? Let's talk about this category. So we have a few key updates in this section. So for T1A and 0, so those tumors under or equal to 0.5 centimeters, you can get away with no systemic therapy. And then for T1 tumors under 2 centimeters, you can get away with surgery up front followed by two agents, which are Taxol or Paclitaxel with Herceptin, also known as Trastuzumab, for the APT trial because these have an excellent prognosis. And then for tumors over 2 centimeters or with positive lymph nodes, neoadjuvant therapy is preferred, and TCHP is the preferred regimen, which is Taxol or Paclitaxel with Carboplatin, Herceptin for the H, and then the P is that addition of Pertuzumab. So remember, Pertuzumab is added when the tumors are over two centimeters or have positive lymph nodes. And the reason for the, this choice of regimen is it allows us to tailor the adjuvant therapy based on response and switch to another agent called TDM1 if you do not achieve a pathologic complete response. And it's important to know that anthracyclines are rarely used in HER2 positive tumors. Exceptions for this are inflammatory breast cancer or if you have two separate breast primaries, one which is HER2 positive and the other is HER2 negative. And then in pregnancy, you do start with that AC part because Herceptin is contraindicated. And then of note, for all of those that are also ERPR positive, you will give endocrine therapy for 5 to 10 years after completion of whatever treatment is given. And definitely remember that cardiotoxicity with the HER2 agents and you will need routine echoes. Definitely. So that was a lot. And I think it's really important to understand um, treating HER2 positive breast cancers in the localized setting. So listen to this episode and listen to this section repeatedly before you guys go into boards. And so what if there's residual disease in a HER2 positive locally um, invasive breast cancer? So as I mentioned, you add TDM1 based on the Catherine trial if there's residual disease uh, in HER2 disease. Great. And then next up, can we talk about inflammatory breast cancer? Tell us how we treat that. Yeah. So I've mentioned this a little bit earlier, but neoadjuvant therapy is preferred for inflammatory breast cancer and no breast conserving therapy can be offered. This is a contraindication to this. So you need a mastectomy with axillary lymph node dissection and delayed reconstruction. Definitely. And so what are considerations for breast cancer in pregnancy? Because I know this unfortunately can happen in the real world, and it definitely can be thrown at us in a vignette on test day. So CT scans and nuclear imaging are contraindicated in pregnancy. Chemotherapy is acceptable starting in the second trimester, but ideally given postpartum. 
And then radiation or endocrine therapy are contraindicated during pregnancy as well. And then acceptable chemo regimens during pregnancy include doxorubicin, cyclophosphamide, and fluorouracil, the regimen known as FAC. And so to wrap up this episode, what happens to someone who has local regional recurrence? I feel like this was a question on our boards. I think I mentioned this last year. So make sure that you do mastectomy with axillary, axillary lymph node dissection, if not previously done. Add radiation if not previously done. And then for those that are triple negative, you also consider repeat chemotherapy per the KLOR trial. Great. Thank you so much for covering the second of our three-part series in the 2023 Breast Cancer Update. So what are our key takeaways? Always consider receptor status. For triple negative, you can do neoadjuvant AC plus T and consider adding pembrolizumab and carboplatin in high-risk patients. And then for residual disease, add capecitabine, or for BRCA1 or 2 positive, add olaparib. And then for ERPR positive patients, consider endocrine therapy for a minimum of five years. For tumors more than 0.5 centimeters or with one to three positive lymph nodes, assess the genomic status and you can omit chemotherapy and select patients. Make sure you commit those cutoffs to memory per the oncotype. Patients with more than four positive lymph nodes all need chemotherapy. And then for her two positive breast cancer, For those that are under 0.5 centimeters, you can avoid systemic therapy. For those under 2 centimeters, you can get away with surgery up front, followed by just Taxil Herceptin. And then for tumors over 2 centimeters or with positive lymph nodes, neoadjuvant therapy is preferred, with TCHP being the preferred regimen, and then TDM1 is given for residual disease. Great. And so as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and good luck with boards. Please feel free to reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram or our Twitter, 2OncDocs. Have a great week.